on to the Lord because he is present with us. And I'd like to ask at this time for Lytle Norton to come up and because he has something to share with us to call us into the battle line of prayer for the presence of God. So would you, Lytle, here you go. Is it on? In August of 2016, I was at the Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital in St. Louis. I was actually visiting my godson, who had just undergone a heart surgery of his own. And I hadn't realized that there was a Ronald McDonald Family Center in that hospital. And having been a former patron of the Ronald McDonald House many years ago, when my son was in the hospital, I had to go see this. So I went upstairs, and there was a volunteer there, a very nice area for the parents where they get a little reprieve from the scurries of the hospital. And I met a volunteer there, and we got to talking, and I told her I had stayed at the very first Ronald McDonald House ever created in Philadelphia. Well, she said she'd never seen it, but she had pictures of that. And we got on the subject of children, and my son had a heart defect, and she could not believe it because her best friend had a little eight-month-old girl in St. Louis that was born with only half of her heart, the same defect as my son. So she dials her cell phone up and hands the phone to me. We talked for the longest time, and I got invited to be on her blog site to follow this little girl. Well, she went on to have a second stage surgery, and this coming Tuesday, April the 9th, she is scheduled for her final stage of surgery. It's a very risky surgery, very complex. Stella's heart will never be normal, but what the surgeons will attempt to do is create a circulation in her body that will sustain life. And if you got the picture, Gary, you can put up a... There she is. And, uh, now, this is in the cardiac cath lab of Children's Hospital. And look at that smile. And look at the shirt she's wearing because there was a fundraiser I could not resist. And it's got Stella's heart on the front. And if you notice, the half of the heart is faded out. It's the part she's missing. And it says, half a heart, twice the fight, and on the back, for all blog people, hashtag God bless Stella's heart. Kate posted a blog this week, her mom, Kate. And in that posting, she said, as we are surrounded by the reality of how futile our earthly life is, we find hope and strength knowing Christ came to this broken place to save us, and make all of our hearts new again. And she closed with a scripture from 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, 
momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are unseen are seen or transient but the things that are unseen are eternal Stella then asked all of her blog friends to storm the gates of heaven with prayer so this morning there are many churches praying for this precious angel and Ross has allowed me to ask the congregation of this church, this family of believers, to collectively prayer, to pray for her. This morning, Ross's sermon is on the power of God's presence. And so we, as we pray today, we ask for the power of God's presence for Stella, for the doctors and the nurses taking care of her, in that surgical suite on Tuesday. And we pray for God's presence, for her family, for peace, strength. Let us pray together. Father, as we gather here today as a congregation of believers, may the power of God's presence be with Stella, her family, and those treating her. And we boldly go before the throne of God proclaiming your presence that you will bring her through this surgery and bring her many more years of life, bringing glory to your name. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. That, that cute little girl faces long odds. But God promises us that if we stand with him, that we will prevail against all odds. Lytle didn't, didn't share something this morning. On, on Friday, he went in for his own heart procedure. He's been having issues, and they determined that there were blockages, and they were going to put stents in. And right before the surgery, Lytle was praying, Lord, uh, get this thing cleared out. And the surgeon went in and couldn't find anywhere that needed a stent. Actually apologizing to Barbara, saying, I would have bet money that there was all kinds of blockage in there. You know, the, on Thursday, I was with, with Lytle and, uh, and, and with uh, Marilyn Reeves and, and Brandon Bell, and we were at a Christian disaster response seminar. You know, how you bring compassion into, how you bring the love of Christ into disaster situations. And, it, it, and it, was, it was a great little conference. But the highlight for me was lunchtime. The four of us, wasn't it, Brandon? That was the best of all. Like we're just sitting at the table and Lytle sharing his God stories. And then Marilyn Reeves just starts sharing the battles that she's been through and how the Holy Spirit 
got her through those battles. And, and then she said something that for me was, it was such, well, I, I think for all of us, it was an aha moment. She did, and she didn't say it with any kind of drama. She just said it just very thoughtfully. She said, I remember the day when I stopped believing in coincidence. And for me, that was such an aha moment. She said, because when you stop believing in coincidence, when you stop believing in luck, then you see the fingerprints of God all over the place. And then you really see that it's real. Well, this series is about time. It's about time. And last week I, I talked about how Satan has got this culture like to, you know, the only thing, you know, if you're alive, that's one thing you do have is time. And yet Satan manages to rob us of time. I'd noted that it takes time. It takes time to have even a casual friend, 40 to 60 hours, to make even a casual friend, 80 to 100 hours together to make a good friend, 200 hours plus to have a deep close relationship. And so Satan has robbed us of that in this culture. All the statistics say that we have fewer friends than our fathers had, than our grandfathers had, because we don't take the time to be present with one another. There is more. There is power. We, we, we know all about power in this society. We've harnessed power. We, first we harness steam and electricity and you know, now we just have access to so much of power. And, and when that power, that technological power is taken away from us, we really feel it. Like when the, when the power grid goes down, we really feel it. There's no air conditioning, there's no lighting, there's no cooking, there's, there's no water because the, the, the power is out. And, and, and we realize that we are lost if we don't have power. But I would submit to you that the situation is even more crucial when it comes to our spiritual lives. If we don't have power, we don't have what we absolutely need in order to survive. I said this in the first service, and I'm going to say it again, that God's presence and God's power are crucial to what it means to be alive. God's presence, God's power is the very breath of spiritual life. And some of you may want to disagree with me on this, and that's okay, but you'd be wrong. 
I think that our biggest problem today is not sin. Our biggest problem today is that we don't believe that God's there. That's the problem. And if you think about it in Scripture, that's what gave rise to sin in the first place. We thought we could be God. And, and folks, like, we're just terrible at it. We really are a joke when it comes to us playing God. Our culture is a religious culture, but the religion is awfully close to deism, which is to say that God created it all, and then he just let that roll, and we've been playing it out since then. But the God of Scripture is a God who is intensely present through all of it, that he is present in everyone's life, and he's present in history, and the outcome is his, and in the battle, it all hinges on his presence in the battle. From God's presence comes power. Without God's presence, there is no power. In 1 Corinthians 1, beginning in verse 18, Paul says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where, where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom didn't know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. What follows is one of my very favorite verses in all of Scripture. Like, this is one of my, this is where I come home verses, and I sit with this verse. I live with this verse. I believe this verse. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Do you believe that? Without him, we're all fools. And the best of our human intelligence is outright stupidity. I believe that. But as I look at this scripture, you know, it is, 
Now, Paul is saying here, from the outside, this all looks like a scam. This, this business of, uh, of a God who sends his son to the cross, like, what a joke. What a scam. Like, who could believe that? Like, could anybody with a brain believe that? Could, could anybody who really knows their, their religion and who knows what's what when it comes to religion, could they actually believe that? But it's the truth. In the kingdom of this world, life is about winning. Life is about power games. Life without God isn't just about, it doesn't just say that winning's important, it says that winning is the only thing. But life in the spirit, life in the cross and in the resurrection of Jesus, it's an entirely different thing. We believe in the cross and the resurrection we believe in sacrifice and victory. We believe that the victory is in him and it's not in us. You know, God doesn't play our power games. He doesn't do this business of let's choose the lesser of two evils. He doesn't believe in our pragmatism. How do we know that God is with us? Well, we know it. We know it when we, when we seek him. We know it in our God stories. We, 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 we know it when we, when we go into battle and we don't just go into battle alone. God promises to bless you if you will walk with him through trial. That's why James can say this. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking in anything. Okay, when you face a trial, you should consider it what? Not just joy, pure joy. Now, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, if, if you don't believe this Jesus business, that makes no sense whatsoever. Consider it pure joy, pure joy, when you face a trial. So, like you find yourself in a really tough spot, and you call up your best friend and you tell her, I am so happy today. I'm so incredibly happy today. Because I have a problem that I can't possibly deal with. 
I have a problem where I cannot win. I can't wait to see what God is going to do with that. Happy birthday to me. Oh, let me come over to your house. I can't wait to see either. Let's pray together. He's going to do something amazing here. I just know it. And you go, yeah, I'm standing on the shores of the Red Sea right now. And I can't see the far shore or the wilderness on the other side of the far shore. And and I just left children dead of plague back behind me. And Pharaoh's army is galloping towards me. And there's no way out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like that's what we're talking about here. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense if all you have is human wisdom. And it never will make sense if all you have is human wisdom. And it's so much more than stoic resignation. Okay, we'll all, we'll all face the cross together and we'll all go die. And, you know, hey, suck it up. Like, that's not Christianity. Jesus went to the cross. The writer of Hebrews says, for the joy. Got carried away there, man. I've never yanked out. That's really bad. Okay. I'm back. And, and I have no idea where I was. Uh, pure joy, Red Sea, not, sto- not stoic resignation. Okay, I at least know where I am. Not stoic resignation. We, stoic resignation has no joy. We got pure joy. We got a cross, but folks, we got an empty tomb waiting on the other side of the cross. And the world may not have a cross, but the world is pretty miserable and there is no empty tomb out there waiting for the world. And that's why we count it all pure joy. Listen, listen again to verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I mean, what do you do? What do you do? do? Sometimes, sometimes God just says, sorry, Lytle, there's no place to put a stent. And you're going, wow, just took it away. But sometimes, sometimes he doesn't just take it away. Sometimes you've got to go fight the enemy. Sometimes you've got to battle. And, and he doesn't just take the battle away. He says, I'll be with you in the battle, but you've got to come with me in the battle. Why does he do that? Here's why he does that. The whole point of any trial is so that God can give you something. And so when you face the trial... You face it saying that God has got something that he is going to give me when through this trial. You know, so often, like, we'll blame God, throw it on God, and say, God, why didn't you prevent this difficult situation? And, and, and that is mysterious. Like, 
We don't have the answer to that one. Because we just wish that he would always, by the raw use of his power, make the bad stuff go away. We really do wish. And sometimes he does it, doesn't he? Like sometimes he does it and your, your faith is, is strengthened. But it's about so much more than that. You know, we sang the hymn, old hymn, great words, we're marching to Zion. Well, you know, if you're going to march to Zion, you're going to face the enemy on the way. And, 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 and God doesn't just want to save you from the, the enemy. He wants to save you from yourself. He wants to save you from the evil one. He, he wants you to come to know him. He, he, he wants you to cry with him, to grieve and mourn with him. He wants you to laugh with him. He wants you to smile with him. He wants, he wants you to face whatever it is with him. Because the most important thing in this life is to know him. You know, I, I think sometimes that we think that religion is a matter of jumping through hoops. I just jump through the hoops. If I jump through the hoops, uh, maybe I'll please my heavenly father when I finally get to meet him in heaven. And hopefully I will have done enough that maybe he'll, he'll accept me. It's an orphan mentality. And... We weren't left orphans. He is a good and loving father. And he never left us. He, I, I, and his Holy Spirit is with us. And this, in this life, we're supposed to get to know God. Yeah, it's going to be incredible in heaven. But right now, we get to know who God is, the heart of God, when we walk with him, and every trial is a chance to know God better. Because we're in it together with God. And God wants to show you things that he hasn't shown you before. He wants to take you to places in his love that he hasn't taken you before. He is a good, good father. And good fathers are present. Good fathers are present for their children. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 and following. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them, because they're discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him but we have the mind of Christ. 
I have a major point to bring out of that, but before I bring out my major point, did you see how many times the Spirit is mentioned there? Folks, none of us know squat without the Holy Spirit. Because we are living in a spiritual reality that can only be discerned by the presence of the Holy Spirit in, in your life, showing you the way. But my point from the passage is this. Every trial is a chance to see the mind of Christ at work and to think like him. You know, we all have these habitual scenarios that we play when we daydream about things, when we face a problem. I mean, we, human beings, we, we run little story scenarios all day long. And, and in those scenarios, like, I don't know what your scenarios look like, but if you're of a negative thought about something, it's very easy to, to come out of fear and anger and resentment and to run a scenario where you're the victim. Anybody here do that? Or, or, or maybe, maybe you like to do scenarios where you're the, you're the hero of the scenario and, uh, you know, that's your habitual thing. I mean, I guess that would be better than the former. But whatever it is, you've got a story, stories that you tell yourself about yourself as you face the world. Here's the thing. I love what Zig Ziglar says about that. I mean, he's, you know, the, the great apostle of positive thinking, but also a, a good Christian man. He refers to it as stinking thinking. Any of you ever guilty of stinking thinking? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But see, here's the thing. The only thought that is worth having is whatever Jesus thinks. The only thought worth having is Jesus' thought. And, and, and with that comes an upgrade into your whole operating system. God gives generously. And he gets more than we imagine for ourselves, but we have to allow ourselves into his mind. You know, I, 2018 was an amazing year for me. It was the, the best year of my life. And, and here's why. I lost all of my illusions I stopped believing in all sorts of things. I stopped believing that you could find, that I could find things that I thought I could find. And I turned to God and found what I needed. You know, sometimes you need your illusions destroyed. The only place that you can absolutely put your, your trust is in God himself. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. 
On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, forget about other people. Let's do you right now. Let me do me and let you do you. Is every thought captive? Has he taken every thought captive? Because that's what you need. That's what I need, is for my thoughts to be taken captive. To be captivated. You see, the world's got us in chains. The world's got us. Satan's got people in prison and chained up. Jesus doesn't take you and put you in prison. Like what Jesus does is he captivates you because you fall in love with him. And that's the kind of captivation that Jesus is calling us to. What are your defaults? Jesus says, let me be your story. Let me be your story. You know, in battle, your, your thoughts either make you or break you. And life is a battle. Every action that you take is rooted in the thought that produced it. And so, in everything, we need to ask ourselves, how would Jesus approach this? What would he have to say about this one? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what have you got for me on this one? What's your strategy? What's your plan here? I played the scenarios. The scenarios aren't, 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 aren't working. I want your scenario. I want your strategy. I want your generalship. Show me. You see, when you do that, you start to experience another reality, except it's reality, and so much of what we do is not reality, and it's destined to be destroyed. As solid as it looks, it is destined to be destroyed. The starting place will determine your outcome. If you start from a bad place, you'll end up in a bad place. If you start from fear and anger and resentment or pride or any, any such place, you will end where you began. But if you start with the Holy Spirit, if you start with the cross, if you start with the promises of God, and, and by the way, God never made a promise that he doesn't always keep. <laughs> We're very different, but he never made a promise that he doesn't keep. 
And if you start with the promise that he has for you in the situation that you find yourself in, you will end in that promise. Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's our story. That's our power. That's our strength. That's the gospel. And, and, and the best thing that you can do is live into that. And, and the best thing you can do for anybody else is to be present for them. To actually be there. And, and not, not like kind of there, but there. So are you living in the presence this morning? Are you ready to go out and be present? If you, if you need the power of God right now, and, and you need prayer, we, we, we call on you. Come to, to me, I'll pray for you. Or if you want the whole church to pray over you, we'll all pray over you. Come to one of our shepherds and their wives. Come to me. Let's all stand and sing. You hear me when.